legacy means a lot of things to a lot of people. To some, it's lasting integrity. It's building and maintaining a history of greatness. It's making an impact on people and community. For others, it's dependable security and assurance in an uncertain time. To us, it's all of that and more. It's a mindset of brother and sisterhood of hardworking people dedicated to doing the right thing for you and those you care about. Of growing today for a better tomorrow. That's what legacy means at Southwestern Legacy Insurance Group. What does it mean to you? Let's talk legacy. Welcome to Let's Talk Legacy. I'm Gary Michaels, your host, and really, really excited today to have Nico Ali Walsh. He is a professional boxer who is actually the grandson of the world-famous Muhammad Ali. And so far, Nico is undefeated in his five professional fights, four of which were by knockout. And I was blessed to see him live there at the MGM Grand and see you take care of your opponent in the first round. That was so awesome. Welcome to the show, Nico. No, thank you for having me and thank you for going to the fight. That was a fun night for me. I bet it was. So tell us a little bit about growing up in the Ali family, you know, with your grandfather being in boxing and how did you know at that point where you'd be today? I mean, who knew that that's where you would end up, but what was it like growing up in your family? Honestly, it was very average. You know, I never, no one in my family treated my grandfather any different than just being my grandfather. Uh, it was the people outside the family, like when we would go to movies or go out to eat, it was the people around us that would be like, oh my God. So um, other than that, it was very normal. Other than seeing how people would like lose themselves over seeing my grandfather, everything else was was pretty normal. And we just, I mean, we're a super tight and close family. So we always were having fun. Were you into sports growing up yourself? You know, I was more of the joker kid. I was, you know, just always making jokes and I was always good in school. So that was kind of my thing. I never thought I would get into boxing, but when I did, I just started becoming consistently more in love with it. And then it brought me uh, here. Well, you've said over time that you saw the tough time that both Muhammad and your aunt Layla had. Yeah. Did you know that you'd follow in their footsteps? How did this all come together? Not at all. Um, you know, like as a kid, you're always looking up to somebody and you're like, you know what? I want to be like them. For most kids, they look up to like Batman and then they'll be wearing Batman clothes. But for me, it was my grandfather. So I would see him and I would be like, oh, I want to do what he was doing. I want to box. And it was just an idea. It wasn't any anything serious, but it started becoming serious as I got older. Is there anything he said or did that kept you motivated over that time? When I was getting serious with boxing and I was in my amateur career, I wanted to quit. And I asked him if I should quit. And he said no. So that was pretty serious to me. Right. So tell me about when you made the decision, I'm going to start boxing and became an amateur. Was there a conversation you had where were you just messing around and man, yeah. he has a good left hook or what? What was it that got you over that home? So I was doing charity exhibitions for like children's cancer fund fundraisers and that kind of thing when I was like 10 years old. Um, so I felt the nerves of fighting in front of a big crowd and that kind of thing at 10 years old. Right. But it wasn't serious. I started taking it serious when I was fighting everybody in the neighborhood. I was boxing everybody in the neighborhood. Like we would just grab a pair of gloves, 
I would throw on a pair. I would say, okay, who wants to, who wants to box me? Anybody. And then I just fell in love doing that. And people were like, I- I'm tired of boxing you. Like, stop. So <laughs> like, I need to go somewhere. I want to, I want to take this serious then. That's when I started my amateur career. I was about 14 when I, when I had my first amateur, official amateur fight. So what does that mean to have an official amateur fight? Is it sanctioned? Is it? Yeah. How, how, how does that work? That, yeah, that's what I mean. When I say official, I mean like it's on the books. It's on record. The previous fights I had, the exhibitions, the charities, that kind of thing, those were all great experience because there was a fighter in front of me. There was judges. There was a crowd. So it was great experience, but it wasn't official. It wasn't on the books. Right. So it was official when I was 14. And then you had your pro debut in August of 2021, right? Yes. How do you transition out of an amateur to a pro? Does somebody call you up and say, you're good enough now? Or do you make that decision? Or does somebody become your trainer and your spawn? You know, how, how do you make that transition? Honestly, some people go straight from no amateur career to pro. And, you know, I don't suggest it, but some people are that gifted where they can do that. And you and the people around you determine when you're ready to go pro. Right. I felt like I was ready to go pro as soon as COVID hit, but then that obviously COVID slowed things down. And by the time it was over, I was like, I'm absolutely ready. And then that's when I signed with top rank and the rest is history now. So you were wearing your grandfather's white Everlast shorts that were passed down to you in your first fight, right? Yes. Yes. Tell me a little bit about that. It was completely unplanned. I'm signed with Everlast. So Everlast was supposed to have my Nico shorts. They just, you know, were white shorts with Nico on, on the belt line. And I went to Tulsa, which was where the first fight was, and they weren't ready. The shorts weren't ready. But before I left for Tulsa, we had a feeling the shorts wouldn't be ready. So my trainer at the time, Sugar Hill, was like, you know what? Bring an extra pair of white shorts just in case they're not ready. And I was like, well, the only pair of white shorts I have are my grandfather's from back in the day. He was like, well, you're not going to end up wearing them, but just in case, bring them. And I said, okay, you're right. So I brought them and then I was like, ah, I'm going to have to wear them. So my first time trying them on was the day before the fight. I was like, geez, I hope these, I hope these fit. I wasn't <laughs> they don't fall down. <laughs> yeah. Did that become a big topic though at the fight or afterwards? You know, it became a big topic with the ESPN uh, commentators. I heard them talking about it a lot. So I guess people enjoyed that. It was it was more fate, though, that I had to wear them. Okay, so you've had five fights now. Five. How is it determined who will fight you or how, how does that work when you get your next fight? Well, you know, Top Rank does all of that. And, and that's why Top Rank is the best in the business in terms of promotion, because they have matchmakers who make the fights. They have the best PR people and, and all that. So when it's time for me to fight again, they will publicize it and, and set up the opponent and all that. And it's always so professional and perfect with top rank. Is the community pretty small and that you often do know who the next person is? You've you had experiences with them? Oh, no. I mean, when you get to the top level, yes. So like some of the guys that I fought in the amateur are doing very well for themselves as a pro right now. I won't be fighting those kind of guys until I get to like almost a title level because some of the guys I fought in the amateurs were really, really good. Right. Boxing is a small community, but as a pro, it's very big. So like, I don't know any of my opponents. My trainer knew some of my opponents trainers. Right. But me personally, I don't, I don't know the opponent. So you're just watching film and you're 
asking questions and doing the best you can, right? Yeah, no, I, I don't even ask a lot of questions. I just do what I'm told. I watch the film on the guy and I just I do what I need to do uh, training wise. That's awesome. So right after your recent victory, you said immediately you wanted to fight again. Yes. To fight again before your first full year as a pro took place. Why is that important to you to keep momentum going? I think the downfall of any fighter, whether it's, you know, boxing or the folks that are in the UFC, inactivity is the downfall. Obviously, I'm not going to be inactive because like when I'm saying inactive, I'm talking like being uh, inactive for a year or being inactive for eight months. That's what I'm talking about. And I'll never be inactive for that period. But still, I don't like being out of the gym. It's like I lose my mind when I'm not training for something or having a fight to look forward to. That's that's business as a whole. I mean, people yeah. people stop going to church three, four times. They they lose it. They stop working. Yeah. They lose it, right? You, you got to get back in there. I love that momentum. I know. We call the power of Mo. You could take a steaming locomotive train, right? And it could be going 100 miles per hour down the train track and break through a 10-foot thick brick wall. Yet you could take a wooden block, one-inch square wooden block, and put that on the train track. If it had no momentum, it wouldn't even move it. Yeah. That's the momentum that you want to keep building, right? No, that's exactly right. And yeah, so I don't want to slow down. That's a perfect way to put it. So keep me fighting. If I could fight every week, I would. That's right. What's sparring like? When when you're in training, are you having simulated fights or how does that work? Oh, sparring is always worse than the fights. Is it? <laughs> in terms of the difficulty, sparring is always worse than the fights. That's why when it gets to fight time, it's like, this is the easy part because the training is grueling. It is, there is a lot going on in training that people don't see. Really? So what, walk me through a couple weeks leading up to a fight. Well, okay. It, it won't sound bad a week, but you've got to remember that it's this for a couple weeks. So okay. it's like, <laughs> you know, like for one day we'll do, let's just say 10 rounds of sparring. But it's not just 10 rounds. It's it's 10 hard rounds, like getting new guys, three or four different guys in the ring. We're going at it. We're going at it. Like if, if we weren't wearing headgear and gloves, we would be knocking each other out. So yeah. that kind of sparring and, and the level of sparring is ridiculous. Like, I mean, the guys I've been sparring are absolutely top level guys who I won't be fighting for the next five years or something like that. You know, the, the guys that I'm sparring are world champion guys. So I'm not going to be fighting anyone of that caliber for a while. So it's perfect to get that working now. So you're fighting people that are really, really good, which is making you better, right? It's bringing you up to that level. Yeah. So the guys I'm sparring are going to be better than the guys I'm fighting for the next few years. That is really interesting because so many people in their life, they hang around with people that are equal to them or lesser than them, and then they're not growing, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, but that's how it is. I mean, I just, that's exactly what it is. I, I spar with guys who are better than me, who are better than my opponents, I should say. And uh, once I get to my opponents, I'm like, okay, well, I've already seen better. Yeah, and that's so much about the mind part about boxing, right? Yeah. It's so much about the mind. You and your grandfather both understood the tremendous mental toughness. Yes. Talk to me a little bit about the mental toughness that this sport requires and how do you stay mentally tough? It's tough. I mean, everyone's got something different. For for me, it's just kind of like a, a meditation thing. My family says a ton of prayers, so I'm always saying prayers and stuff. So you got to be in tune with, uh, with some higher power to be fighting because it's it, it gets at you sometimes mentally. 
is it different when you're in the ring as prior to getting in the ring? Like when you're putting your gloves on and you're pre-fight, that adrenaline and that momentum going, what's your mindset then? And then when you're in the ring, is it, I just got business to take care of now. Is it, is it the same? It, it almost is the same because I prepare my, my mind and my body like I'm in the ring when I'm thinking the way I do. So I'll think weeks before the fight, I'll be thinking a certain way. I'll, I'll feel a certain way. I'll feel as if I've already won. And then once I get into the ring, I just reignite that feeling. And right. uh, it's, it's almost like, like I've already won. So what are some of the big goals you have and are looking forward to in your future? Do you look far goals? Do you look at your next fight? How do you think about goal setting? I mean, I, I normally, lately I've been looking at next fight goals because they've been so frequently, but my ultimate goal in boxing is to make it to the world champion level. And uh, I always keep that in mind, but it's good for me to set smaller goals so I don't get stuck on looking however far in the future that may be. So uh, I just try to think of next fight kind of goals. Does a boxer typically try to stay at one weight? What weight are you at right now? I fight at middleweight, which is 160. Okay. And is that where you typically say, I'm going to get to the best in this level? Or do you say, you know what, as I get more mature in this, I'm going to put more pounds on them? Or is that decided as you go? It's decided as you go. But another thing is I'm only 21, so I don't know how I'm going to be growing these next few years. I certainly won't be staying the same size. So I'll have to figure that out uh, once I get there. Sure. Okay. What would you say is the biggest thing that you've learned from your grandfather and from your parents that you've taken into your, not just your boxing career, but your life? The absolute biggest thing I learned from him is the way he treated others. I mean, he was probably the most famous or the most recognizable person of all time. And even at that top number one spot, he still treated everyone the same. So that's something I always, always think about. And that's going to be a challenge, right? It probably is already because there's a certain sense of, I don't want to say stardom, but like people look at you when you do well, people look up to you. Yeah. I mean, they always say, don't forget where you came from. So, you know, and I've got my, my parents are perfect for that. I'll never uh, lose sight of the person that I am. Awesome. So tell me a little bit about what the word legacy means to you. Leaving a legacy. What does that mean to you? That's what I'm all about. To me, legacy is leaving a story behind, leaving a tale so like my grandfather started this awesome story. He left behind this beautiful story that left so much emotion and love. And I'm just trying to reignite that. I'm trying to reignite or continue the story he left, but while branching my own, my own story, my own legacy. And would you say, if you were to summarize your boxing legacy and then the man that you want to be, are they the same? They're going to go toe and toe for sure. Because I wouldn't be, you know, no one would know me if not for boxing. I love boxing, so I'm fortunate enough to be doing what I love and to be put in a position where I can help people doing what I love. So, yeah, they go, they go hand in hand. Yeah. So let me ask you, has the family legacy in any way, I don't know, hurt you? Or have you had challenges because of that? Because every person in this world has challenges. Yeah, no, it definitely wasn't all smooth sailing. Um, everyone wants to try you, especially in boxing, when you are uh, when you have the kind of legacy that I have behind my grandfather. Right. Everyone wants to be able to say that they've knocked you out. So, but just as a person, some people don't like me right off the bat when they find out who I am. 
it's unfortunate, but you know, it happens. So it, it was, it's a double-edged sword. I, I'm seeing more of the blessings now because I'm choosing to ignore or overpower the curse side of the name. That takes a lot of strong mindset to be able to do that, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome. So if you had any advice for a young man or even a young woman that wants to aspire to be successful in sports and take it to the top, what tips and recommendations would you give to them? Honestly, the biggest thing is like a mindset. Like you said, I, I would say the first thing that came to mind is just dream it, you know, because I was having these dreams of what I'm doing right now uh, when I was a little kid and it was so unrealistic. It seemed like I was having dreams of me flying or, or me having superpowers. It seemed like it was on the same level, you know, me being a pro boxer and fighting at the MGM Grand and people chanting Ali. Those were dreams that I didn't think would happen, but I dreamt them and they happened. So for anybody, you know, looking to have any uh, aspirations at all, dream it, dream it first, even, no matter how unrealistic it is. That was really cool that you were fighting there in the MGM here in Las Vegas. Yes. I just heard, you know, chants. I, I try to feel the feelings of the crowd. I tried to see how, how big um, and how awesome the opportunity is in the dreams. And then it comes to life at some point. So, you know, you just got to keep that mindset. So many people that listen to our podcast are people that are in business, people that are driven to be successful, not just in sports, but in business and life and their families. If you were to give some advice about putting in hard work and discipline, what advice would you give to people in that that can really go across all different venues? This is going to sound so stupid, but I stand by this 100%. Don't quit. That's my biggest thing is don't ever quit, not even once, because quitting is addictive and, and it could be anything. I mean, if you own, if you own a, a business, if you own a pizza shop and you just t cut a corner one time, you'll eventually do it again and it'll become bigger and bigger and bigger. So what I do for me personally with boxing is I don't cut any corners, not even a little bit. For example, if when I'm punching the bag and I'm on my last round, when the bell rings, I don't stop punching until after another two or three seconds passes, you know, because I don't want to cut any corners at all. So in life in general, don't cut corners because once you cut corners one time, you get addicted to it and you start doing it. It leads to uh, a spiraling downfall. That's huge. Yes. So if you're never quitting and you're always winning, that means that soon we're going to see you as the world champion, middleweight, and who knows where else, right? <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, Definitely awesome. with the way I've been working, it would be uh, near impossible for me to not get to that point. Well, and that's it. It's just the attitude that you have that you're going to get there. Well, yeah. gosh, thank you, Nico, for uh, allowing us to spend some time with you. I know we all wish you well. It's awesome that Muhammad Ali was your grandfather, but it's awesome what you're doing. It's awesome how you're living that legacy and that you're going to make a legacy for people to follow too. So thank yes. you for your time today. Of course. Thank you for having me. If you've enjoyed today's podcast and want to learn more, visit us at southwesternlegacy.com. Shoot us an email via our easy contact form to find out how you can become an agent or how we can meet your needs for final expense coverage. You can find this and other episodes at letstalklegacypod.com on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Let's Talk Legacy is a presentation of the Southwestern Legacy Insurance Group, a member of Southwestern Family of Companies.